welcome once again to Bodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast, a weekly discussion of the HBO television series, The Nevers, a steampunk uh, show that it comes out every Sunday night, uh, at least during uh, the time of actually recording this. Uh, we are... Um, uh, part of the Dark Discussions News Network, but we'll get into that in a second time. One of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going, sir? It's going good. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri. Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Swimmingly, old boy. Excellent. All right. So a couple of things first uh, for folks who have stumbled upon us, uh, who we are. Well, we are actually part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com, a, a website that is uh, updated all the time with genre news. So columns, release notices, podcasts, uh, reviews, all sorts of good things. Uh, so if you follow genre news, it's a site you want to go to uh, every day multiple times a day. Uh, we also have numerous podcasts, including this one, but we have uh, ones that discuss horror films, ones that discuss uh, midnight movies, action films. There's, there's like 30 or something podcasts as well, uh, including other podcasts that myself, uh, Barrett, and Kevin uh, participate in. Um, so uh, definitely check that out. We do have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com. So if you want to email us, we will read your emails on this podcast here. So just uh, type in in the subject, bodices and corsets, and uh, we'll know that it's specifically for this podcast here. You can also go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us form where you can uh, just simply type in the email through the website itself without even going into your uh, email server. Uh, also, uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, the reason we do have a Patreon, it's simply for the fact that uh, we offer everything for free, no pay for anything. And the only way uh, we get money is from any donations from folks uh, like you who are listening. Uh, basically, uh, we try to um, basically do everything uh, for you, for the listeners, for the readers of, on the website and, and whatnot. Uh, so what you can do is uh, press the button, which is on every page of darkdiscussions.com or simply go to patreon.com backslash darkdiscussions and donate for every $5 you donate per month. Uh, there's a chance that you can have a episode on one of our podcasts. So for example, if you donate $15, you would have three chances uh, per that month to uh, choose a film for us to review. So for example, if you like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, I guess, uh, name another movie, Barrett. What do we got? Think of a movie. Ghost Ship, uh, Ghost Ship, Ghost Ship, Ghost Ship. perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> all, so you can choose those three films, or you could choose choose Ghost Ship three times. And what happens is they go into a figure of hat, and then at the end of each quarter, we pull out of that hat, and then we do an episode on that choice, that movie. So, Dark Discussions podcast, which is the original podcast of the network, um, you will hear an episode on that podcast. Uh, so, we appreciate any money, uh, or I should say, donations that you uh, give us. Um, also, uh, we, we've been around for over 10 years, so if you haven't heard of us, welcome. Uh, we just had our 10-year anniversary, uh, started May, I mean, March 9th, 2011, and uh, March 9th, 2021 was the 10-year anniversary of uh, the Dark Discussions News Network. 
Um, all right, so uh, let's get into uh, tonight's topic here. So uh, basically, uh, we're going to discuss the third episode of The Nevers called Ignition. Uh, that episode aired April 25th, 2021. Today is April 26, 2021, when we're recording this, and hopefully we will have this episode released on April 27th, 2021. Uh, the, the episode was uh, directed by a guy named David Semmel, uh, David Semmel is a, uh, I guess, a primetime Emmy Award uh, for outstanding directing for a drama series, uh, specifically uh, the pilot episode of Heroes. Uh, he's also directed a Star Trek Discovery episode, among other TV shows, Ally McBeal, Boston Public, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Watchmen, uh, No Ordinary Family, American Horror Story, and on and on and on. So a lot of television work, and the numbers would fit in his wheelhouse uh the episode was written by kevin lau l-a-u uh don't have too much information on him and the viewership uh is not announced uh we do have uh episode two's viewership which is 0.561 so 561,000 folks have watched it uh just up a tad from the pilot which was 548,000 so the show uh is not necessarily getting a lot of uh viewerships um but it is what it is. Uh, I would state that. Um, what do you guys feel about the viewership? What, what do you think that is? Uh, folks aren't necessarily watching the show. Well, what's typical for an HBO show? That I don't know. I don't know. What, what's the show after the the one with Kate Winslet? What's that? What is that called? The Mayor Mayor of Easttown. East Town, yeah. So I want to bring that up for a second, Mayor of East Town, because that show is getting phenomenal reviews, unlike uh, it's good show. Yeah, and that's what my wife says too. And uh, that is uh, not oddly not getting that much either. It only got point six, sorry, six hundred thousand. Its first episode. We'll find out the second. Uh, but I'm thinking that will bring up everybody's um, viewership um, sooner or later. Well, oddly, they they. Even though it has Kate Winslet and she's huge, uh, they, it doesn't seem like they're promoting it as big as uh, The Undoing uh, with that one. That one was promoted really big, um, and that made a really good uh, headway with viewership. But I'm, I'm assuming uh, people will, will come around and eventually check out Mayor of Easttown because basically, uh, at least Eastern Standard Time um, in, in uh, the world, um, the Nevers... And then the mayor of East Town are back to back, so nine to ten, and then ten to eleven. So it's it's like the big quote unquote Sunday night of HBO. Uh, one of the reasons why Warner Brothers bought out HBO, they wanted to make it, uh, you know, a big network uh, with a lot of material. Um, I like Mayor of East Town better than um, The Undoing, honestly. Oh, indeed. Uh, what about uh, compared to um, this show here, The Nevers? Uh, they're so different. It's hard to compare. I like them both equally, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's difficult to um, try to figure out how to sell the numbers just because it's, I mean, it's fantasy. It's got steampunk elements. It's Victorian. It's, you know. It's got uh, superhero elements. Yeah, it's, it's got, got a lot of different It's like stuff. X-Men, but not really, you know, not quite. And, um right right it's it's a, a female audience and uh a, a genre that um um i guess hasn't been marketed to females in the past right and and I I 
you know, a lot of folks that are listening to us that are women, uh, we do know, uh, watch genre material like Discovery Witches and superhero films and horror films and whatnot. Uh, but uh, I'm talking generalizations here. Um, and uh, yeah, this this show here actually would you could say attract uh, both the uh, genders just for the fact that. Uh, um, it's different for a woman with a strong woman leads as well as men who uh, a lot of men come in just like superhero stuff anyway. And they like uh, women who kick ass and, and stuff and comic books. And this kind of has that. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's interesting because I was saying to my wife last night, there aren't a lot of um, good men with powers in this show so far. Right, right. Yeah. The, the men definitely take a secondary, uh, uh, um, I guess uh, just secondary is basically what I'm saying for, yeah. for in this show. And also, um, it's not well known I, based off of the the locale. Uh, the people in this this series, they, the characters, uh, don't know too many men that have powers, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And the only ones we've seen are bad guys, basically, and they're usually slaves to somebody else. Right, right. So Though, yeah, Augie's kind of a slave to her, his, his sister. Um, so, but he's not. I wouldn't say he's a bad guy. He seems like a good guy. But we'll, yeah, we'll see. What's yeah, going he's on. the only good one with the power I can think of. Well, no, you got point. the doctor. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, sorry, I forget about him. No, all that's the time. okay. I mean, the, yeah, because yeah, I mean, Augie actually, Augie is. Augie wants to. I mean, he's good. He wants to be good, but the problem is to say he's surrounded by not good people. Well, and his power, I mean, it's not real. Like, the healing power of the other guy is very significant. The yeah. Being able to see through the eyes of crows, I don't know. <laughs> not quite as useful. I guess you could find a use for it, and I could think of uses for it right now, but it just doesn't seem quite as useful as the healing power. Well, you can well, obviously use it as, uh, well, well, well spying. Well, right. well it's, it's, it's similar to... Uh, um, you know, the wildling power or what Bran had in, in yeah. Game of Thrones, right? They can go into the eyes of animals and be spies and stuff. So, um, well, they could actually control animals control, in, in that, right. but I yeah. don't know if maybe yeah. he can, maybe he could control like a murder of crows and attack somebody. I don't know. But so far we haven't seen much from his power. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed like Augie was controlling the crow, uh, that was following, uh, penance but again we haven't seen enough of his power yet to really really know uh, because they're not really focusing on him which is um you could say maybe unfortunate because his character and his power may be more as interesting as some of the other characters but at the moment they're they're focusing mostly on um uh penance and and people around her character and stuff uh the the ratings are now at 47 percent uh it dropped uh a percent during the week by critics uh but the average audience score is 82 percent um so people are liking it who are actually interested in this but again the viewership the low viewership is is something that could be specifically simply because this is a niche uh, show. I mean, uh, Kevin, you mentioned that, you know, with the steampunk elements and, and whatnot, superhero elements, you mentioned Barrett. Um, it is kind of a Victorian, you, you know, one of you guys said. So it is a very niche who would possibly want to enjoy the show, possibly, right? I mean, am I fair to say that? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah and you I get mean, more so with every level of that. 
Because, I mean, the, the problem is, is that you'll get people, like, I remember I, I was listening to a Dark Discussions uh, episode where co-host Eric pretty much said he didn't really like a particular show or something because it was, I can't remember the exact word he used, but it wasn't, you know, in modern setting. You know, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was a, a Victorian setting and he just, you know, he really wasn't interested in it. And I'm sitting there thinking Victorian setting is kind of what does it was kind of what does it for me. Uh, I'm not a bit, I'm not a big period piece person, although I've watched a lot of period pieces lately. It seems like, like Bridgerton, which I thought was really good. Um, and now this, and it's, uh, it's just kind of discovery of witches, right? Discovery. Yeah. Again, discovery of witches and they're all done really well. So I guess I have to change my stance on this. I guess I do like period pieces if it's my type of story. <laughs> Well, see, that's just it. I love period pieces. You know, I really enjoy period pieces. So going through a show like this, I I enjoy it. I mean, I'm having fun with it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily a huge period piece fan either, Barrett. But um, every so often, I'll, I'll check them out. Um, and and also, uh, I've I've never really been a, a fan of mystical realism, uh, though that that's slowly changed um, over the past, I guess, uh, two years or so. Uh, so, all in all, um, there's something in the the show that may uh scare people away as there is uh things like kevin mentioned that, that attract people like kevin like oh i like you know period piece stuff i like steampunk stuff i like all that type of stuff so um i don't think this film this show whether it's good or, or bad um generally i think all three of us uh, like a show at least for the first three episodes um but many people may not and it just may not be for them you know so i mean it's good to see a steampunk show out there there just is not a lot of steampunk and you see some elements in some movies and stuff, but there has not been a show that's been this steampunky. Yeah. I mean, there was, it's funny because there was a, a scene in, um, I think it's called the show, the Disney show once upon a time. And there was kind of a world between worlds where everything was steampunk. Uh, my wife watched that show a lot and she showed it to me and it was, it looked fantastic, but it was just so brief. And I think the problem with steampunk is that you got a lot of people who don't know how to use it. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that people likened uh, steampunk to was um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen mm -hmm. and uh, Wild Wild West. Now, Wild Wild West definitely had a massive steampunk element to it, but unfortunately, it wasn't really that great a movie. You know, because sometimes some people say, well, what's steampunk like? He said, well, imagine Wild Wild West, but actually good. Um, but then there's another, actually, if you really want to see a good steampunk movie, you got to go back into the eighties. Uh, and it's a French film. It's called city of lost children. Yep. And oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's all French and it's, it, it's, uh, well, I have a, a, I have it on DVD and it's, uh, you know, subtitled and all that. And it stars, um, uh, from uh, Hellboy, um, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, yeah, and he's speaking total. I mean, he's speaking French. I mean, all the way through, he's speaking French. But the the, the movie, if you want to see a good one, the setting is good, the outfits are good, and everything about it is is quite uh, is very steampunk. Uh, and the funny part is, is that that is really before steampunk was ever really 
I mean, it might have just been coined. The term steampunk, the word steampunk, might have just been coined when that movie came out. So not many people have actually heard of it. Uh, and so now, you know, it, it became a popular movie with steampunks. But, you know, years and years later. And we're just now getting a show. Yeah, I mean. it's <laughs> really based on it. Well, I mean, you had right. elements well, of the, the, the books. He's had hundreds of books. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a huge subgenre. Oh, you know, for I novels. have. I have a few of them, and I, I would recommend. If there's a couple I would recommend, but, um, but yeah, it's hard because I mean, I'm, like some of the books I've read. There's one called Bone Shaker by a woman named Sherry Priest. It's kind of a uh, Civil War era, but it's alternate history. In other words, the Civil War did not last like the four years or so. It just continued and continued, continued. And so there was a lot. And so this uh, like Bone Shaker itself is is steampunk, but it also has zombies in it. So I figured maybe some horror people might like that one. Uh, there's another uh, series of and it's a, it's the first of a series of books. And then there's another one that I'm going through now also called uh the Ministry of Peculiar Affairs, and that's uh, that's a series, and that's also a, a very fun. That's also a very steampunk book. It's uh, obviously Victorian London, and it's uh, a couple people going through an adventure, uh, trying to solve, essentially trying to take down a society that's trying to take over the world. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. So, uh, uh, folks should. Uh check some of that stuff out maybe maybe we'll do a, a little wrap-up episode at the end of our six episodes of the first half of season one uh just discussing uh, uh general steampunk uh aspects of, of the show and and the genre itself um so yeah that's 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 uh some good stuff there um all right so let's uh <clears throat> get into this uh episode here because uh, i know most of you folks who are uh here listening to us are here to hear us discuss basically this this show uh so uh what what did you guys think of this episode let's start with you barrett i really like this episode and actually it has so far one of my favorite scenes in in the three episodes um i won't go into that but i'll talk about it more when we get into the episode um but yeah it was it was fun um it had some really surprising moments um in it and some really cool scenes all right, very well. Um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, it, it was a pretty pretty solid uh, uh, show. Show. Um, I mean, there's so many elements that, that keep on bringing us back to letting us know that, oh, this is a Josh Whedon show based off of uh, um, his uh, work on the show. Uh, but but uh, generally, um, yeah, it was a pretty solid episode all in all. Um, a couple of things that um, – you know, some people may not like, but generally it was pretty cool. It had one of the uh, best things uh, seen. Show, I mean, seen so far, uh, just based off of how well it was done. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about. It. I think that's what you're referring to, Barrett. There was actually a um, little six-minute thing that after the episode, if you watch it, um, not live, that talks about how they filmed that scene. Uh, there was a, a huge. Uh, tw ending twist, I guess. Uh, basically, Barrett mentioned in our prior episodes that Josh Whedon is well known to uh, wipe out an important character 
uh, that may have actually occurred. Uh, we'll discuss that as well without, you know, after we get into the spoiler section of the, the show, even though everybody who's listening to this probably have seen the episode because that's the reason why you would listen to a podcast on the show, The Nevers, to hear differing opinions and uh, more critique and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, it was a pretty good episode. Uh, still still waiting for more development, though, on uh, Augie and, and all that stuff. Um uh, as we discussed uh, right before, uh, given our thoughts. So uh, let's go with you, uh, Kevin. Yeah, um, I enjoyed the episode. That I, the thing is, is that uh, when when that one scene near the end, uh, I thought of exactly what Barrett said last week. <laughs> Sorry. And well, and I'm there, and well, it 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 caught me off guard. Definitely did. It definitely shocked <laughs> me, and I was also very. Uh, I was sad to see it happen. I liked that character. I thought she was, well, I I won't go into it until we really throw out the spoiler flag, but uh, I really liked that character. And I I have a bad feeling that's it for that character. Um, and I, I will say, though, um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of throw out one thing. It, it wasn't Penance. Uh, if that happens to Penance, I, I may do a one-man riot, because uh, <laughs> I really like that character. I, I like her. I like that character. She's funny. She's um, I, she's I the best like, character by far. I think, yeah, far. I think she's the best character. I really enjoy her character, and if she dies, I am going to be quite upset. Amalia is still my favorite. Sorry to interrupt, but no, I'm, no, I'm, the one, I'm the one guy out, but... No, no, Amelia is great. She, she's, you know who she reminds me of. I have to admit, she reminds me a lot like Jessica Jones. I mean, she looks like Jessica Jones, but she also kind of has. I mean, she also has the fight and the sarcasm. The yeah, sarcasm, kind of, kind of, very negative, kind of a negative person. Yeah, like kind of the, the, reluctant, the world, the reluctant hero. Yes. Um, you know, definitely the reluctant yeah. hero, but. Well, not as reluctant as Jessica Jones. I mean, this one is, yes, I am in this. I will do this. And, but it's, you know, obviously she doesn't want to while Penance is sitting there like, hey, I get to invent stuff. This is great, you know. Um, You know, but the thing is also is that Penance doesn't have the same dark background as uh, Amelia does. And also, like I said, so does Jessica Jones. And, um, but I mean, I remember looking at her like the first time I saw her. I thought Laura Donnelly, man, she looks awful lot like Jessica Jones. Um, so, uh, but the but yeah, Pen- Penance is still my favorite. But yeah, oh, I'm right there with you. Penance is, is by far my favorite as well. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's fine. Which whoever you know, even if Barrett is wrong, it's it's okay. It's not wrong. It's okay, Barrett. <laughs> no, I understand. I like my women. All right. So, uh, <laughs> well, the thing is, is that there we have a scene actually where she, where Amelia, Amelia actually becomes more Jessica Jones-ish, because she talks about drinking a lot. She talks about having sex with guys that she has no idea who they are, and all that sort of thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, did you just take Jessica Jones, move her out of New York City in the 21st century, and put her, you know, in the, you know, in the Victorian age? You know, because that's pretty much what you got. I mean, even look wise, she looks. I mean, with the the face, the hair, everything. It wouldn't surprise me. Very much. It, would, it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if, 
Josh Whedon uh, did that because again, you know, he's worked, dabbled in the the um, DC MCU. universe, and, and he he could have, yeah. So he he could he could have done it. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right, so uh, so it appears that we all like the the episode generally. Um, so we'll uh, start discussing uh, it and whatnot. Um, anybody want to give a a brief synopsis of the episode? Uh, I don't really know how to do it to be honest this one was uh, yeah. uh well, well i guess I mean, amelia oh go ahead kevin yeah well i mean it starts off uh there's uh there's there well, well not how it starts off but but oh. just a general overview of the episode uh what, well, what, what over, overview of the episode essentially is you've got um well they're trying to get <clears throat> excuse me they're trying to get mary to start singing again so she can attract more um, more people who are more of the touched, and we see kind of insights to the Beggar King and his organization, and that I mean that's about the summation I can get. We get uh, yeah, and we also kind of get a little bit of an insight into the character of the Doctor because he. He's he's definitely a guy who has uh, taken the uh, the Hippocratic oath. The, the good doctor, yes. Yeah. yeah. Not not the, the the bad doctor. Yeah. So I, I would I would go uh, basically um, uh, the fire burning woman uh, basically is trying to take over the the I guess the the mob work uh, by because. Uh, as we said, the, the beggar king, he's he's doing an opium trade, and she destroys some of his his uh, stuff. So that's going to piss him off. Then we have uh, Amelia and Penance trying to get more of the the people with the touch to to come to their their side, I guess, or, or to the the orphanage. Uh, and one of the things that they do is try to get the fire burning woman. Uh, to do that, and, and uh, she's not necessarily, um, uh, at least yet, uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, willing to do so. Uh, and, and then, as you said, Kevin, the main uh, story that goes throughout the whole episode is uh, they're trying to have Mary sing again. Unfortunately, she can't control it. It's more like uh, just comes and goes, and if she sings, that will attract them uh, these touch to come to the orphanage and they're going to do that basically by finding the center of the city, uh, which happens to be a park and with a penances, uh, uh, intellect from being touched. Uh, she's going to be able to create an amplifier that will blast the song throughout the city that would attract, uh, folks to the park. And then from the park, they could bring everybody to, uh, the orphanage. Uh, at least that's, that's the goal. Um, and uh, then one other item of note is that uh, they find a flyer around the city, uh, similar to the one that brought the Italian girl from the prior episode to um, the house of the, the evil doctor. Uh, a new flyer with a picture of uh, Amelia on it, saying, I'm, I'm here to uh, you know, help all those who have been touched. Uh, so they know that someone is scamming uh, the touched. Did I miss anything, or did I say something wrong? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. What about you, Barry? You want to add anything uh, further? Because uh, Kevin added his stuff. I added some stuff. Uh, did, uh, there's. Oh, why don't you talk? Uh, what about Augie scenes? Uh, uh, what was going on there too? That was another major scene too, I guess, right? There was an Augie scene. that was a major scene. That's pretty sad because I don't remember it. <laughs> it was at yeah, the, the close to the beginning. It was with uh, with uh, Augie and um, that go. that strange dude. Oh, where he found out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It was such a small part of the whole episode, I even forgot that he was in it. <laughs> and it was an important scene. He basically found out that he's the one that owns the um, house of ill repute, right? Yeah. And it's all in his name. And he's basically the big guy. And he didn't seem to like that very much. No, because, I mean, he. well, for, it's funny because first he says, you know, I'm not sure this is entirely legal. And it's like, I don't know what uh, the laws on prostitution was back then, but the thing is, he says, not quite sure this is exactly moral. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you own a, 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 a house of ill repute, you know, uh, essentially, excuse the term, but a whorehouse. Um, I, I did find it funny. immoral in most cultures. I did find it funny. Well, it's how, an opium um, house, too. It's, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's an opium house. It's it's everything pretty much. But I liked how it started out with Hugo having sex with that woman and then just being totally disinterested because there was no purple uh, clouds or whatever he was looking for, and he was basically testing her out, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Whatever he was expecting. <laughs> yeah, because she was supposed to be touched, right? And so he was expecting yeah. something. <laughs> to happen yeah yeah it's kind of weird and it did not and then he was just like whatever i'm done now (laughs) you bore me right well she was talking about timing it was almost like that was her gift was like timing yeah they never really uh explain what her how her gift works exactly but it definitely didn't work how he wanted it to work no (laughs) no and then we move into Augie finding out that he owns the place, and I'm not sure where that's going to go. It pretty much ended with him finding that out, right? I mean, and then, well, that scene. Yeah, that scene. I mean, there is no other scene, though, in this episode about that, right? Well, not with Dave, no. I mean, not not with him, but yeah. if, uh, I mean, we see Hugo Swan later, briefly. Yeah, they're very limited in this episode. Yeah. All right, so um, all right, so let's, let's get into uh, whatever uh, we can talk about. All different scenes, um, because there's there's a number of scenes. There's the one further scene too. Can we talk about the best scene of the episode? Um, or do you want to wait? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, let's let's wait a little bit because we should probably discuss. Uh, all the the world building that they do, or, or, or character building, because you know we have more of Malady, and we have more of uh, the uh, the Good Doctor. We have, um, I guess, yeah. I mean, I let's know. start with the beginning. Then let's start with the warehouse ep- yeah. part of the episode where they're basically um, the bonfire Mary or bonfire. What's her name? Bonfire. bonfire. I can never get that right. Yeah, she's the one character I, I, I keep on forgetting her name. Uh, yeah, I can never get her name right, but it, 
it's Bonfire, bonfire something. Anyway, uh, Bonfire Annie. Annie. Bonfire Annie. So she's trying to take over the dock business um, and is driving out to the Beggar King. And mid-throwing a fireball, um, she gets kind of stopped. And Amalia and Penance get involved as the Beggar King's guys are running away. Um, and so they have Amalia and her kind of have a little fight. It's it's there's some nice verbal interchange there between all three of them. I really liked the scene. I thought it was pretty well done. Um, and they're trying to get Bonfire Annie to join their cause, um, so that they I don't I don't know what use they want to make of her aside from having everyone that's touched join together. Right. I, I'm still I mean, upset about this scene uh, or, or Bonfire Annie. Uh, and I kind of alluded to all this last week uh, mm-hmm. when we discussed uh, the prior episode, which is Bonnie participated and was uh, a member of Mally's crew and, and uh, in theory, is responsible by association uh, for the, all the tragedy that occurred at the opera house. And, and yet it appears that she's going to get off and and i i don't like that i i i think they just brush it off um a little too neatly yeah 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 because in real life and in even in this show i would have assumed um she would be someone that would be highly wanted by by not only the victims families that we're never going to probably meet uh, but also the, the the police department and you would even think um uh, our lead character, um, she, even though, quote unquote, she was kind of sort of saved uh, by Bonfire Annie and in a uh, reactionary moment by Annie, I would think Amelia being the type of person that they've developed in the first two episodes would say it was good that she did this to me, but she's, she's someone that, that, that should be rounded up. But I would think the government would want to take her to utilize. I mean, her skill is very useful as far as like military or oh, attacking yeah. things. I mean, that would be one thing I'd think of too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But but again, they're definitely doing just just city level. They're not doing federal government really. In this right. Scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, technically, but you know, that's a that's a trope, um, yeah, for I know. sure, and and whatnot. But but yeah, that's a fair point too, Barrett. Um, but I, I would definitely think that someone would would want to round her up uh, as a criminal. But again, right, you know. just round her up in general. I would think she'd have a lot of people after her, not her making people run from her. <laughs> right, right, and, and I, I would think Amelia would, would wouldn't be too happy. No, being, as either because she, you know, she she's a criminal. I mean, she really is. You know, I mean, even for the this dock business stuff too. You know, she's trying to do racketeering and 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 opium trades and all this other stuff. So I don't know. It it, it just didn't fit. The taste it didn't wasn't a good taste in my mouth. I it's guess. a little too convenient to have her and Amalia get along. I understand that Amalia sees you know like I don't think she killed anybody in all those events we're talking about. But like you said, she is associated with that, 
And why did she latch on to that? And what was she doing as part of that? We need those explanations as viewers so we can understand this switch in nature towards her. I agree. I agree. And, and I hope they'll go there, but I, I don't think they're going to. I think they're just going to let it pass and, and be done with it. And and I think that that is a minor, well, a major flaw. Uh, but I guess, you know, it is what it is, and, and we'll, I'll roll with it. And it doesn't ruin the show for me, but it's definitely something that makes me roll my eyes. Yeah. Um, Kevin, your thoughts on that? I mean, I get it. I think it's, I mean, we talked a little bit about that last week uh, as we, we saw it from the you know preview for this week that they're going to try to get fire uh, Andy to join her, join them. And we were discussing this and my whole thought was, you know, it could be redemption. It could be the fact that, you know, she did try to help. She did help Amelia at the end of the, that episode. And they probably just figured, you know, give her a chance to, you know, work with us instead of against us, you know, because uh, let's face it, you've got a lot of people who are, how shall we say, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, there's even one point in the show to, uh, tonight where they're saying, you know, our numbers are dying. So essentially they're trying to say, look, we'll, we'll overlook all this if you can essentially be willing to help us and work with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it still doesn't make me happy about it, but uh, I can go with it with you know no issues. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's not really a point of whether or not it, it's gonna. I mean, there's only so much you can you can do. You know, I, I mean, this is I mean the move with the with the show and all that. They're well, for all I know, they're just trying to make a what you call it. You know, they're they're just trying to move the story along. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, any any listeners who uh, want to give their thoughts on that, uh, you can email us once again at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us link and send us the email and uh, we will read your opinions on the podcast. So please do. We know you're out there. We, we, we had a, a pretty good uh, listenership um, for the first two episodes and uh, uh, oddly uh, equal listenership uh, pretty close. Uh, uh, only plus or minus three. So whoever listened to the first episode, definitely listen to the second episode. So uh, we know you're out there. Uh, so please email us. Um, all right. So that's the the first scene, right? And then I guess we'll, let's talk about the beggar king and uh, what happens there. He's pissed, right? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were going to go the route where he's going to be this evil villain because it seemed like they were going to go that route, but it appears... Um, uh, they didn't go that far, and I think that's intentional because I still think that they're going to make him be like a Han Solo, really a good guy that just dabbles in in the bad. What, what's your thoughts? And what's what's set up the, I, the the scene too? Well, okay. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, there's actually one scene I, I do want to I do want to point out. one part of this I really want to point out is that uh, at the end of um, the confrontation between Fire Annie and uh, Amelia with uh, with Penance. I mean, first of all, Penance has has this little extinguisher device that she, she hits. <laughs> she hits uh, Annie with, and it's just really irritating Annie. And then, of course, Amelia and Annie start 
kind of having this argument back and forth. And she's like, leave me out of it. But at the end, though, what I thought was really funny is that, of course, you have this opium, this this big, essentially, wagon full of opium on fire. And it reminded me a little bit from uh, the uh, show, um, the movie uh, History of the World Part One, where the Romans are chasing after Mel Burks and Gregory Hines, and he holds this huge uh, marijuana cigarette. You know, <laughs> And you, and you see all these Romans like, we got to get moving. You got to stay loose, you know. So, I mean, a penance goes out there and she starts inhaling the opium smoke and she's coming in. And she's like, hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, and she's kind of, she's, she's stoned, really. And she was just, it was just funny watching her. Yeah. Well, it's really important, though, too, because she goes on an invention spree, which helps her solve one of their problems. Well, yeah, I mean, now that's that's her gift is, um, you know, pretty much being able to invent. So, yeah, but I think the opium helped her go into this state where she was able to figure out the problem she was having. Well, back in Victorian times, some people would take opium to try to, if you will, uh, get their creative juices to flow. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they they would do that to try to, um, you know, encourage their the creative side of their nature. But uh, after penance, uh, you know, so, uh, Amelia is like trying to take penance away so she doesn't become addicted to opium. And then she stops and she turns around. And she goes right in the smoke and takes a couple big inhales himself herself. And then she comes back feeling a whole lot better, too. And they kind of walk home, you know, a little bit inebriated. Uh, but that's that was kind of the funny bit. But then we a couple of scenes later, we're in the people, uh, the, the people that are members of the Beggar King's gang. Um, they're all kind of lined up with their hands chained behind their back. And they have that big guy uh, whose name I, I don't remember right off the top of my head. But, um, you know, they're all they're all sitting there. And of course, the Beggar King's infuriated. It's like, why didn't you stay? Why didn't you stay and fight? Why didn't you, you know, you're supposed to be working for me and you didn't, you know. And we find out that each of his members, each of the gang has his, has a symbol of the Beggar King branded onto their, onto their stomach. And he grabs the first guy and he looks at the thing, he looks at his scar. He says, oh, that's fresh. That does it. How long have you been with me? He says, oh, only a couple months. He goes, oh, you're just a pup. And so he actually has mercy on this guy. You know, on the young, it's like, oh, you haven't been around long enough, so I'll have mercy on you. But then he goes over to a guy that's been with him for a couple, for a few years, opens up the guy's shirt, sees it, takes out a razor and carves that piece of skin that has the, 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 scar, the, 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 burnt, the brand, if you will, and rips it out, you know, leaving the guy, you know, probably to bleed to death or at least in really bad shape. And, you know, pretty much he's saying, you know, you're no longer in the gang. And, he, you know, it pretty much takes a razor and cuts out the cuts out that part of the skin. You know, so we're, we're looking at a guy who's not uh, who's really not someone you want to mess with. You know, and then later on, he uh, we he sends his. What is that guy's name? The the, the really really big guy, uh, Odium. Uh, that's his name. Odium um, sends him out to essentially kill Amelia. All right. Well, let's not talk about that scene yet. That's the best scene that 
Barrett wants to talk about. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, I'm not getting into it. I'm just saying that that's kind of what happened there. Sure, sure. You're right, right, right. So that that's uh, that's where we're still like in limbo on whether or not he's going to be a villain or not. And I, I still am not convinced, uh, meaning the, the bigger king. But um, and the reason I say that is because, again, this is the, the type of show where you have bad guys like Bonfire Annie that are um, turned into, quote unquote, good guys pretty easily. Um, you know, typical TV shows that, that do that a lot, and, and it appears that this this is doing the same. So I'll, I'll be curious to see where where they go, um, and uh, and and whatnot. And uh, they they even show like who's going to be the bad guy in one of the um, I think the trailer for this episode, and and they show like the four people that we we've, we've kind of tagged as possibly the bad guy, um, including um, uh, the Beggar King, uh, Swan. Um, uh, the the Lord, and and then of course uh, the Lady of uh, the Orphanage, uh, who who's in the wheelchair. Um, so uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, what do we else would you need to talk about before they, we get into that big scene? They find the flyer that's giving the wrong address for right, people to go of, to, with a picture of Amelia on it. Yeah, that's Amelia's picture, right? Yep. And so they go to that address. Her and oh, I can't think of the other woman's what name. The one that oh, destroys things when she yeah, touches them, I got shatters it. things. Um, it's uh, oh, where where is it? oh Lucy? Yeah, Lucy. They go to the address and basically beat the crap out of the woman there that we know is involved because she was in the episode where that one woman gets taken um, and invites her into the house. Um, they, she gets zapped from behind with the um, umbrella that electrifies, I guess, <laughs> which is kind of neat. And then they take her back to the orphanage to the experiment room or the invention room. And they start to question her by using the woman who makes everyone tell the truth. Desiree. Desiree. Yeah. And she, her, her scene's rough. I mean, oh, just yeah. just what she talks about. She she basically doesn't like the touched, and she killed her own child, basically, and her unborn grandchild. Yeah, and her un- unborn grandchild. Yep, because um, she doesn't like what they can do so much, especially in her daughter. And uh, but they get. Um, I don't think they get too much out of her, do they? I mean, no, aside really. from her, aside from her diatribe of. <laughs> why the touch should be killed or whatever. They don't get much. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think she works for, um, the evil doctor or is it just, I mean, it looked too coincidental that she works for the evil doctor because, you know, they're one of the, the masks, they had one of the mask zombie people there. And then, which, which actually looked really good. I mean, that monster was, was pretty, pretty cool. effect. Yeah. That was and, cool. And it was the same type of flyer as well. Um, uh, oddly, her anger, uh, whether she's being used by um, the doctor, the evil doctor, and the the, the lady of the orphanage, it is de- de- debatable. But uh, I'm thinking she probably is because, uh, as we've seen in the past, um, you know, when when someone is hurt terribly by someone that is different than them, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times those people who are hurt terribly will then just say anybody 
uh, as bad rather than say just individual responsible. You know, I mean, you know, when we saw nine eleven, unfortunately, in in this country, uh, among the world, uh, there's been a lot of folks that would immediately say, "Oh, uh, it's it's a certain religion's fault or a certain people's fault." When of course you can't do that. You got to look at the individuals now. Of course, there's been changes in society where they say, uh, you know, there's systematic things that that go through groups of people that have to be changed. And so technically, it's more than just the individuals. But I'm just going to look at it as, as individuals. This woman here, uh, unfortunately, is deciding to be, uh, I guess, a typical uh, "Quote unquote bigot," right? Even though something terrible happened by a specific type of people, am I right to to think that? Right? I mean, well, and I don't think anything terrible happened to her, did it? It just well, was that she, she didn't well, like what her daughter could do. Well, she yeah, she didn't like what her daughter became, and so she, you know, she saw her daughter essentially as a as a freak, and. Um, able to do things that man should not be able my, to do. Well, like an abomination. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, she might be actually, I don't remember uh, if she actually used that word, but that's. Okay, so uh, I see, I, I, I misunderstood the whole scene. I thought it was her daughter and her granddaughter that were murdered by a random touched person. And so she hated all touched people because of that. But that's not what happened. She murdered her own daughter and her own grand. Okay, got it, got it. Got it right, got it. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then we also see that, I mean, Lucy. You know, we hear a little bit about Lucy's past, which, you know, kind of breaks our heart for Lucy is that she picked, I mean, when she got touched, pretty much anything she touches gets just destroyed. And she picked up her own six month old child. And because of her, because of her ability that the, the child like was just destroyed, like, uh, like they said, every bone in its body was just completely destroyed instantly, you know, and I, you know, and I, I didn't even, I didn't even know that it was one of those. She, she couldn't control it. It was, it's just she touches something, it gets destroyed. That's why right. she wears gloves all the time. You know, and my heart broke for for Lucy, and I can also understand why Lucy was really angry because, you know, this woman killed her own. I mean, this this woman they're interrogating killed her own daughter, knowing full well she was pregnant. Um, you know, so it's one of those she wanted to stop. You know, this woman had a. I excuse me for. I hope I don't. She kind of had a Nazi-like behavior towards them, like they all must die. You know, I mean, not even controlled, not even locked up. They all must die. I mean, that was kind of her. I mean, that was this woman's uh, attitude about it. And so I can't blame Lucy at all for taking her glove off and wanting to touch this woman and, and pretty much destroy her. Now, I'm glad she didn't do it, but. Uh, and something happened to us. Didn't somebody like punch her or knock her out or something like that? Um, yeah, the, the, you mean the, the bad woman? Yeah. 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 And then, then uh, Lucy leaves the building and, uh, uh, then we have. I think we. That's when we hear some uh, uh, overlay of of the people inside the building talking about Lucy's situation while right. she's outside. Yeah, 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 and crying and stuff, which is which is 
unfortunate. Um, yeah, so, so it also shows us here in this episode, in this specific scene, that the touched not necessarily can control their abilities. Not everyone can control, not every touch is the same. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, Elsa from the movie Frozen, she wears gloves intentionally because if she doesn't, she freezes everything. And in last week's episode, we discussed how the Italian woman, she had a hole in her glove and she can't control necessarily um, her power either because that when her skin touched the, the hat, it started floating and that gave her away. Um, and in this case, Lucy's the same way where she doesn't wear gloves or something. Uh, she'll basically destroy anything she or any, anything or anybody that she touches. There's um, a lot of just power on all the time. People um, like bonfire. Annie is one of the few that seems to be able, you know, have a controllable power. Um, Right. Even Mary doesn't, isn't on all the time, but she can't even control it either, necessarily. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, um, yeah, Mary, what was it? I don't even know what, what exactly is Melody's um, ability? Melody's power is that she has that, she turns into that demon face, but I forget what that power yeah. does for her. Right. Um, but the thing I, is, is that, yeah. for example, uh, like the doctor, you know, Dr. Horatio Cousins, he's, that's his, I mean, he, he heals, you know, on his own will, if you will. Um, yeah, Primrose, so he can control the, it. Primrose, the giant. I mean, there's really, it's not really controlled. It's just, she's just big. Uh, and Penance, it's, you know, she just invents. Right. And actually, uh, Augie, you know, he, uh, he has control over it, too, because he doesn't... Um, what was that I gonna say? He, I mean, it's it's not he sees out of a bird's eyes all the time. It's he sees it whenever he wants to. So, right, right. And odium, odium, he can't control it either, and neither can Desiree. Right, right, and uh, um, also Amelia, she can't necessarily control her her uh, visions, but no, she no, she has her, her power though, her her strength. As we see in this episode, her power does not help her very much. You mean the visions, the vision power? Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help her at all in this episode, really. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen to her that, if her visions were on command or were more useful, she would not have fallen into, um, or they might not have happened if her visions were were more useful. Let's put it that way. There are two major things that happen in this episode that basically to me her visions are useless <laughs> right right because she didn't see the the odium thing nor did she see the mary scene either so right yeah yeah right all right so let's let's talk about about that stuff we've been talking about an hour now uh so i guess we can talk about the the big stuff um the odium scene and the mary scene um so as i discussed mary uh can't sing on on command uh, it just comes, she says, every so often, uh, though she's learning because by the end of this episode, she is able to turn it on. Um, and as we mentioned, uh, the beggar king is pissed. And for some reason, he is blaming Amelia rather than Bonfire Annie for the destruction of his opium trade. And I'm still not – I'm still – Because they were – because they were seen with with the bonfire Annie, 
And that's what he was told. And so he's already mistrustful of her because of when he she called him and to talk to him previously. So this was yeah. just another thing being added on to his irritation, I think. Okay, so he's thinking they're in cahoots because they were seen together. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that's a, that's uh um a good assumption, but Yeah, it's it's a little iffy, but I mean he is a criminal and, you know, any reason He's a reactionary. He's definitely right. a reactionary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so uh oh, and then uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about it. We have uh oh, and then, oh, let's we forgot all about the um Malady scene. Let's talk about that. Oh That's yeah, really with the scene. doctor. Yeah, with yeah, the doctor. yeah. So let's talk about that. Who wants to explain that one? Put it together. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so the doctor gets roped into a carriage um, to help Malady out because she still has a bullet wound. Um, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I'm I'm not sure of the timing, like how long it's been since she was shot. But you would think that she would not be doing as well. So I think, but her eyes still look like the power thing is in her. So maybe that's why she's not dead yet. <laughs> but he has to pull the bullet out and then he heals her. Um, and she's, meanwhile, kind of flirting with him, not in like a good way. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like a try to make him uncomfortable way, I guess, is the way to say it. Now, let's let's ask uh, the question, why is he helping her? That is a good – I think he helps everybody. Well, there's a couple things. One, um, well, let's kind of think about the – let's give a quick background to the situation. One, a guy comes up to him that he seems to know, and he says, oh, we've got your carriage for you. You know, and he's like, oh, great. It's about time, you know, because he's a doctor. He figures, okay, I'm going to get a carriage. And, of course, he opens it up, and there's Melody there. And so you've got this big guy who's pretty much putting him in there. So, I mean, and if he refuses to help Melody, Melody still has that big knife knife of hers. And the guy, you know, the doctor might just think, hey, if I don't help her, I'm going to get killed, you know, either by Melody or the people outside. And so, um, you know, maybe it's that, but also maybe it's just um, like there are doctors, you know, I mean, if you think about in a, if you think about a war situation, um, doctors in the army, they treat both their own and the enemy. You know, they are essentially duty bound to do so. And so that might be his mindset is, yes, this woman is the enemy, but I am duty bound as a doctor to treat people. Right. Right. Yeah, that, that sounds good enough to me. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not like he's going to report her because, you know, I mean, he, it appears that he's a healer and he's not a fighter. So he's not the type. He's, he's basically a civilian, except that he has uh, the touch. Right. Well, my, my lady, Malady, I'm sorry, is not a civilian. Right. She's uh, one of the the quote-unquote street people, the the warriors, the whatever you want, that are in the show. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. So now we know that Malady is healed and will play a prominent role going forward still. Um, it'll be curious to see if her being touched by Mary, uh, being betrayed by Bonfire Annie, and being healed by the doctor will result in any change 
but again, we know that there's still, and we still don't know what it is, right? That she, she was betrayed by Amelia in the past. And we, we yep. still don't know what, what it is, right? I mean, they, they kind of talk about it in this episode with the, the doctor and a couple other things, but, but I don't think it's, it's actually explained. Am I right? It's still not explained. No, it's not. Yeah. So. He does tell her that he thinks she's not being fair to Emily, but that's about it. All right. So, all right. So, uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, the the two big scenes then, uh, which kind of are back to back and 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 whatnot. Um, all right. You brought it up as your favorite scene, and I think me and Kevin both knew exactly what scene you were talking about. And I think the the makers of the show did as well because they did the six minute uh, how it was done. Um, it's basically uh, I'll just mention the word and you can talk about it, but. Uh, or hydrophobicity, I guess. It's yeah, called. yeah. So yeah. you can't get pulled into the water or go into the water at all. And it, it's a whole fight scene um, with her fighting him. And he's got a huge chain with a hook on it, too. And I'm not talking a chain like you would think of. We're talking a huge ship anchor chain. <laughs> it's that thick are the links. Um and he's whipping that thing around, trying to get her out of the water and trying to hit her. And she's trying to get away from him. And she's under the water, seeing him walk on the water. It is just a dynamic scene. It's a great fight scene. It's just really, really well done. I mean, I don't know what more to say about it, but it's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. It was a well-made scene. Believe it or not, um, based off of the six-minute little mini doc um a lot of it was done by green screen believe it or not in, really in a, in a tank yeah they weren't they weren't live on location for most of it um wow it's it's unbelievable that uh, how technology and film can do that now to make it look like they were actually there in the river and laura donnelly that really was her i mean it wasn't a because she actually made a point saying that she had the stunt double kind of do the scene but then she kind of watched how the stunt double did it. Then she went and she did it herself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They, they trained, she trained with scuba gear too, um, to get used to being underwater for a long period of times as well. It said, um, but either way, the scene was, was pretty awesome. Um, I was, when I was watching this Barrett, I was thinking, Oh my, I think Barrett may be right. This is, this is it. They're going to kill her off. Um, (laughs) Josh Whedon is known to kill off, a major character, uh, and she already almost died in the prior episode. And I, I, I said, oh, I knew she was going to live because of the doctor. But a scene like this, where it has nothing to do with an injury, it has to do with drowning, and never mind the fact that there's no way she's going to get back to the doc- doctor in time. I was thinking they may go that well and uh, take her out. Uh, it was a possibility, right? Was I wrong? Yeah, it was. It was a rough scene. I mean, I was having a hard time imagining how she was going to get out of that because she could not outswim the speed he could go on the water. And even if she got to the shore, he still would outclass her in in weight. You know what I mean? So the way it turned out, actually, I I thought they did a good job of, of making it turn out. She manipulated him and was able to get the chain around his neck. And then because he couldn't go underwater, she was able to use her leverage against him to strangle him to death while she was under the water. Now, the only thing here is 
who was going to run out of air sooner. And you still didn't know. It was a close call. Right, right. I mean, you, I first, I was actually half expecting her to actually have to come up and take a breath of water, and the the struggle would have continued because she was, she was, she was close herself. I mean, she she was very close to uh, um, losing air herself, running out of air, you know, having to come up. Right, right. Yeah, it, it was it was really interesting because. Uh, even though the guy didn't have a gun, um, he was well, he as didn't dangerous. Need one. No, but my point is, is he was as dangerous because, uh, you know, the, you, we've seen in many films, war films, whatnot, people, you know, swim underwater so they won't get shot um, or, or be located. Well, she had to kind of do the same thing here because this guy, you know, he can walk on water, you know, like, like Jesus. Um, and, and, and so, therefore, he was a threat because he could come right up to wherever she was in the water, and she has to go as deep. And unfortunately, rivers, as as many folks may not know, rivers are not deep at all. And so, she she was in real trouble. And to get to um, the side of of uh, the river was was not going to be as quick as say him just walking across the water. Right. Uh, so, yeah. He, she was in re- real trouble. Um, and she does get out of it. And I was actually surprised. Not only did she get out of it, but she kills him. They, they, they killed him. Yeah. I was surprised too. Cause he was pretty massive. I mean, they did a good job of showing how she could use her lighter weight and leverage to be able to, to kill him. Um, I thought that was pretty well done. Yeah, some of it was lucky, no yes, doubt about it. Absolutely, uh, and some of it was he was sloppy too. Because I mean, if this was a real, um, he probably would have been able to just uh, snapped her neck or something. But um, again, this is this is a TV show, and also she's kind of superhero-y herself. Um, she she was able to uh, luck out um, and and turn it around and use the same chain that he was using to try to fish her out of the water um, and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah it was kind of interesting using that as a, um, a choker, a choker around his neck. And then she used him as leverage to pull. Right. And she's, you know, and that, that was, that was what did it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course the running joke of, of the show so far is that she loses her dress. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting, too, I just wanted to note that it was a very similar scene to the very beginning of this show in the first episode when she jumps off into the water. In this case, she, you know, the carriage gets shoved into the side of the bridge and she falls off into the water. And I was like, huh, that's yeah. interesting. That is true. Yeah, it was a cool shot. So I could see why they, they thought of it. Um, but also um, the reason the dress was lost in this case was she used it as a, a barrack barrier between her and him so he couldn't see her as well because it was it's a uh, you know large piece of cloth never mind the fact that it would confuse him too uh because he's looking for a blue a, you know a blue a dot in underwater not uh, a white dot or whatever her her bodice and corset were so yeah because um, i mean my whole thought when i saw that was it reminded me of um Kind of going back to war, but sometimes uh, a submarine, uh, like in World War II, they would 
to avoid to make it look like they were hit they would they would bring up like oil and and supplies and all that make it look like it was the it was destroyed and so maybe she kind of took the dress off and make it look like you know she was she was drowning or something like that but you know um but yeah it, it, the thing is is that i'm looking back at that yeah it's more of a distraction like make it look like she's going over there because he's looking for the dress and so he sees the dress and all of a sudden she just pops up up behind him right and exactly. she does a move that i actually learned in jujitsu which i thought was kind of fun it's called an arm bar that's the one where she she grabs it grabs his arm and pretty much puts it between her puts it between her legs and like leans back um I thought he had a broken arm for sure after that. That looked well, like Well, we heard was... the crack. Um, yeah. <laughs> trust me, he probably did. Well, I mean, the character probably did because you heard, you heard a snap. Yeah. As I tell you, in a controlled environment, I've had that arm bar done on me, not with somebody standing up, but like me wrestling with somebody on the ground. And I'll tell you, when they, once they get that into you, you it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. So, I mean, I can understand why that guy uh, screamed out like that because it hurts. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, whether it's broken or popped out a joint or whatever. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he, she probably, she may have uh, uh, dislocated his elbow. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Not that it mattered because he was dead within the <laughs> next two minutes anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing, uh, as, as, uh, we find out with uh, Amelia, um, is that, uh, she's our quote unquote hero of the show. Uh, but she, she is willing to use deadly force and, and, and kill, uh, similar to, I guess, um, I guess Batman, some of Batman's, but, but generally, uh, usually regular superheroes, uh, this doesn't happen. They, they try not to kill people, uh, but she, has no qualms, it seems. Well, it looked like she was uh, ready to kill Malady at the beginning, at the first show, too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because, but the yeah. thing is, is that oh, it's yeah. not like I want to just kill you just to kill you. It was more of like she. I mean, obviously, she killed this guy because if she didn't, it, if she didn't kill him, he was going to kill her. I mean, there was no getting around it. I mean, you pretty much either had to knock the guy out, which she couldn't, or you know. She had to kill him, but then, you know, like with, with Malady, the only reason why well, she's trying to kill Malady is so she can save, uh, um, excuse me, um, Mary. Well, 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 I want to bring this up, uh, and this is more of a, uh, interesting, uh, thought rather than specific to the show, but, uh, the, one of the episodes of, uh, Games of Thrones, and I'm sure Barrett will remember this, it was, uh, specifically the, I think it was, um, the Blackwater episode, uh, the Hound is talking to Sansa. And he's he's saying to Sansa that that her you know we're 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 supposed to like Sansa and and all the people around her, meaning all the the good characters. But the Hound says something interesting in that, and he goes he goes, your father is a killer, your brother is a killer, you know, your sister is a killer, you know, and he just keeps on saying over and over, and he's trying to show that even though you're on the good side. On, on the righteous side, the, all all the people that are on that side are killers too, because they're they're showing the honor of of the good and the vanquish of the quote unquote bad, and yet the good you could argue are bad as well because they're willing to kill. 
All and, history's written by the winners, right? I mean, so <laughs> in yeah. the side you're on is the good side. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and so I, I, I was thinking of that that quote by the Hound when I was watching this because we're here to like Amelia, and and we do. And Amelia is a, a quote unquote good guy or good girl or good person, good man, woman, whatever you want to term you want to use. Protagonist. Yeah, the good protagonist, and it, which is true, and and she's a flawed protagonist because she mentions how she's slept around crazily without caring, using drugs, and as we see, killing people too. So she's flawed. So, well, it sounds like she had an affair with the doctor too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Seems that too. So, so, and again, there's there's variety of what's bad you know someone that sleeps around is, is most certainly not the same thing as someone that kills so I'm, i was just wondering if they're trying to make her character more ambiguous even if she is the good guy and again you know john snow was a good guy ned stock was a good guy uh macy uh macy williams character uh Arya was a good guy good good character but they were you know killing people. So uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting aspect of the show or, or all shows. And I loved how the game of Thrones actually came right out and, and said it while a show like this, they haven't, but you can see it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think the game of Thrones, if you've read the books, they're the people, you don't know who's good or bad, really. I mean, everybody's bad. Everybody's good in their own minds in those books. Um, and I think the show tried to, portray that as well and i think this show is kind of trying to show the ambiguity of people as well there are some obviously bad people that are doing bad things like operating on people without their consent and things like that but then there are also people who are flawed who think they're doing the right thing and maybe they're not but you know who knows right yeah, I, I like that. That's 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 a really good way to put it, Barrett. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that even though there's, I mean, I, I, there's good people in the show, but there's a degree of what's good. We we can probably say penance is good, pretty much straight through. Obviously, Mary and a few others straight through, but Amelia is definitely one of those that. Oh, uh, that. What's that? That brings up something, too, how Hugo is blackmailing the cop because they obviously had something that happened between the two of them that the cop's like, I was drunk when that happened. He says, I was blind drunk. Yes. Yeah. But now he's got control of this cop because of that, obviously. So, I mean, Hugo is not a great person either, but I wouldn't call him ultimately like evil like the doctor. You know what I mean? Right. Right, right. There's, there's de- a degrees of, of evilness. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> torturing, murder, and rape are, are obviously, and child abuse are obviously worse than than some of these other crimes, which are also bad and 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 whatnot. And and even um, the quote unquote good guys, as we said, the the cop and Amelia and whatnot, you could argue are doing things that most people wouldn't do which are killing people and so yeah. yeah yeah so i just want to bring that up it was, it was just an interesting thing um i saw and and how another 
well-made television show really like put it out there for us to uh and, I, and when the hound said that i was like wow that's a that's like mind-blowing statement and and i saw it in this this show here which was with some of our quote-unquote protagonists well and uh, i think the better dramas are built around ambiguity of characters yeah yeah exactly i i would agree that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I had an argument with Sansa Evil when, um, yes, she just she you, can stop, you can stop. You can stop. You can stop there. Wait, Sansa was evil. No, all right. Well, let's let's, let's <laughs> get back to people who haven't listened to that podcast and, and how I like the character. But my point is, is was Sansa? What was Sansa? Was, was Sansa evil when she had the dogs? kill Ramsey and uh, spoiler alert, but the show's, you know, eight years old now. No, she was, was, she was not evil, but it was not necessarily a good act. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing. And, and I, I um, think that's, that's what Amelia is kind of like sort of in this show, which is, she's not evil, but some of the things that she may do aren't necessarily a good thing, even if they appear just in a sense. And, and a lot of those as, as chaotic to use a D and D ism, uh, would you see her as chaotic neutral or chaotic good? Uh, I would say chaotic she's good. Well, not even chaotic. I don't no, know. I would say n- neutral, neutral, neutral good. Yeah, neutral yeah. good. Yeah, because she does follow some laws, but she's she's light on other laws, and then she kind of leans to the good. Uh, so, so I would say neutral good. Yeah. That would work. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about the, the big finale. The, the, I assume that was the scene Barrett, when you texted me saying, Holy smoke, something just happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was kind of stunned by it. I mean, I actually, I, I was, you know, I'm, I told you I'm always expecting deaths in a Josh Whedon production. Um, and this one even caught me by surprise because, the character of Mary was just saved the episode before from a certain death. I mean, you almost couldn't have gotten more certain than that episode, and yet she was killed here. <laughs> right, yeah, because it, all right, let's talk about it. So basically, we, we discussed in uh, the first episode of the podcast, Mary's character and her importance, and she seemed like she was going to be the driver of of the the next few storylines uh, or at least something like that and and we discussed how she could have died last episode and we weren't surprised that she didn't because again why did they introduce her and then just kill her off without really learning much about her backstory and in this episode here we learn more about her and the importance of her power and then they they drop the bomb on us and take her out, and um, especially her character because her character you could even argue is more of a good person than Penance because you know she's she's not a warrior at all she's just a civilian while Penance is is going around you know you know helping Amelia so I th- I think it was a a huge moment in the show. And speaking of of uh, a term that Kevin used in a, in a prior podcast, especially uh, in a in an episode, uh, or I should say, an interview, uh, nihilistic. And I don't mean the first 
uh, definition, which which is religion, but uh, the second definition, which is specifically to the uh, the the um, the whole you know meaninglessness. Well, the symbolism, the death of hope. She yeah, was their exactly. hope, and they killed it. <laughs> now I think it's going to turn out that you know this is going to make her a martyr, but it's still the symbolism of it is they just killed hope. Well, they killed hope, but new hope arose. Right. Okay. What, was the, what was the new hope? Because because of her song. Yeah. Um, they arrived. Uh, they they you know they all they all came in. I mean, even uh, Fire okay, Annie, Fire Annie, Fire Annie, who actually there's a couple of things I want to mention about this scene because I mean, well, Fire first, Fire it, first it's like when when she was singing. All the all of the all of the um the touched were there and they're all really experiencing the um the music except uh, the the guy um we just mentioned his name and I completely forgot it. Oh Monday. Monday. Monday yeah, Monday. Because you know, he's not touched. He's not because touched. Because he's not touched and what, So I he's only he, admiring her singing as Well no, no, he's not. Because whenever they whenever they focused on the touch they could hear the singing and all that, but when they focused on him, it was silent. He couldn't hear. Yeah, he could not he hear. He couldn't it hear anything. Uh, so but he was admiring I, her. He just he was admiring yeah. her. It was obvious yeah, he still yeah. loved her and yeah. cared deeply about her. And then, um, you know, and then she, okay, uh, then she got shot. Um, the guy with the with the gun attached to his arm, you know, pretty much gunned her down. And then Mundy killed, I mean, shot that guy in the eye, um, which I kind of found interesting is that he could shoot, he, this guy could shoot uh, Mary like yards and yards away. But when Mundy comes after him with a, with a, with a revolver, he cannot hit Mundy, but he can, he can hit, hit Mary with no problem. Yeah, but, that was uh, one fault. And also I felt the, the CGI bull, uh, blood holes were kind well, of well. I mean, it, it was, was it was all very quick. So I mean, it's yeah. like okay, he got hit in the eye and move on. But the no, thing no, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Mary. You could tell that that was all just CGI and it wasn't practical effects. Oh well. The well, thing yeah. I do want to say I don't think he was aiming at Mundy. He kept aiming at her, trying to kill her and take her out. Yeah, that's well, why he, he was. That's why that. he was able to get close enough to shoot him in the eye. And I think that his Gatling gun had a bit more range than the revolver. Yeah, but the thing is, um, at the end though, it's like they so everybody they feel like hope is lost because they just lost Mary, and then all of a sudden they're outside their orphanage, and then you see, you know, Fire Annie sitting there like I'm here, and then behind her, all of these people that heard the song, and so they just got a whole bunch of more people to join their cause. It's also uh, another thing I'm I'm curious about is all those people. It still seemed like it was all just women, right? Yes, there were there were some men, but not a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why because because again, we we just talked about the guy that can walk on water. We know that Augie. So we know there's there's plenty of people out there that are, uh that have uh, X Y chromosomes that are are most certainly touched. So why wouldn't they show up and just I a think, woman? I think it was people were chosen. So more women were chosen than men. 
Maybe that's what we're going to find out. See, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. I guess that has been spoken of enough, I guess, because we, we all knew that it's mostly woman. Um, so yeah. All right. That's fair. Well, and I, I think like those were directed, those, those things, those little light things that hit people. I think they were directed and people were given specific abilities, yeah. um, based on who they are. But you know, I, that's just my guess. I am just purely speculating here. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. And we did learn that, uh, an, another interesting aspect was, um, uh, the Lord, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Masson? Masson, yeah. We find out that uh, he lives in a, a, obviously a nice manor house. Forgot about that, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and he, he leaves the manor house, and when he leaves, they, they show the, the personal family cemetery on the property, and his daughter um, is buried there. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I think she's in the basement, but they've said she's dead. Oh, that's right. What do you mean in the basement? You think remember, remember that guy came down and there's a cell and he sees something moving and then the woman comes up behind him and like oh, you yeah. need to get out of here. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that those are the dogs. The dogs aren't socialized. They'll rip you to shreds. Yes. Oh, that's terrible. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. I, I I knew something was up, but you're right. It could have been actually the daughter. So oh, I think it's the daughter, but I don't know yeah. what her. What her change is, <laughs> right? But either I have a way, we'll find out soon. But yes. either way, but either way, being locked away for three years can't be too good on the mental health. No, you know. Um, so we'll we'll figure that out. Well, in that uh, hole where the light was coming was exactly where you would put the food to get to the prisoner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so yeah, so there is kind of of a hope. Um, I guess I still don't know what the point is. Why they wanted all the touch to come to the orphanage in the first place? What What was Amelia's big plan? Why did she want this? Well, she, did, did, I mean, it just—I mean, she wanted them to be together. She protected, you know, like you know, to it's kind of the divided we fall. You know, united we stand, divided we fall. You know, get a no. bunch of them together to support each other and to, to yeah. be there for each other. Right. So it wasn't there to create an army. It was there to just be for uh, protection. Now it will be yeah. seen as an army. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's going to threaten a lot of people. Well, think about. Right. I mean, let's go back to what some we compared this to. I think even in the first episode is the X Men. I mean, most of the X-Men, they were in the uh, Xavier School for the Gifted. You know, yep. and that was just code word for this is where a bunch of mutants uh, live. And, you know, they, they have normal education, but then they also learn how to use their abilities. And that's probably what they're doing here is, all right, you know, you are uh, a touched. You have special abilities. Let's figure out how to use them. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, yeah, so that that was the big cliffhanger that Mary is dead, or appears to be dead. I'm I'm pretty sure she is because they they show a cemetery, a scene in the the previews for next week, um, and we're yeah. assuming that it's Mary. Um, I, I I was surprised because I uh, I thought she. Uh, was going to be a major character for the for the series, but it appears she will not, uh, except for 
um, bringing the, the, the hope to the, all those people. But as a character, I'm talking about specifically as an individual in the series, uh, her screen time is over, which is somewhat shocking, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I, but the thing is, I have a feeling that uh, Mundy will now definitely be more of an ally. I don't know. It could go two ways. It could be that he blames Amalia for her death, or he could become their greatest ally. It's well, hard to say is, for sure. Amalia is, well, okay, it actually it raises the question, is that how did that guy know that they were going to be there? Right. right, and, and he was under. Yeah, he was just he was just set free from prison. Remember? Yeah, because he was in a jail cell, and they let him out. He had that green fluid running down his arm. That's right. That's right. So how did he get out to do that in the first place? Because he yeah, was yeah. in jail. Yeah, because they didn't say who let him out. He, they just said, right. that you're, you're, "You're able to go free." So who who did that? And second, uh, who who? Well, actually, it would be the same thing. Holly Lavinia, <laughs> who's, who's, who sent center? Uh, Lavinia is is the the maiden, the woman that owns the orphanage. Am I right? Yes. yes. All right, and and I I don't know why would they? Yeah, maybe, maybe I don't, I don't why Barrett. Ask, let me ask you why why would you think it would be Lavinia that that? Well, because she just seems to be not a very nice person, and I think she's trying to utilize the touch but i don't think she wants them to come together necessarily as as organized as amalia wants them to be or, um, or right because well that's the, i mean it seems like it would be, she would want them to, to be under her ward because she is the ward of the the orphanage but the ones that she's been torturing or, or having been tortured were ones that were stragglers off to the side not the ones that actually make it to the orphanage right right yeah exactly and maybe no more we're gonna make it to the orphanage because all those flyers you know yeah yeah that's a fair point so yeah i don't know it could be lavinia i mean it it wouldn't surprise me I, i would like to know more motivation why but um i would agree that she is is a villain therefore it wouldn't surprise me it was just well and amalia's telling her everything too like she told her that information they found out and everything and how they're gonna look into this house yeah. and they had the boxes full of evidence and all that and she yeah. was gonna give her the book or whatever wasn't she so that she could look yeah. into it yeah and i was like oh that book's gonna disappear <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good point yeah so so she is talking to lavinia and she doesn't even know that she's basically giving all the secrets yeah uh, that that will help lavinia control all the all the uh, touched so yeah that's a really good point and when i say control not only uh under her ward at the orphanage but control them you know digging for that whatever that, that thing is that orb in the, is in the yeah. Ground. <laughs> yeah um all right so yeah, so that, that's pretty much uh, the, the, the general stuff. Uh, is there any other side things that anybody wanted to bring up that we haven't discussed or wanted to add further to? I think we have brought up almost everything from this episode that I can think yeah. of that was major, and even yeah. minor but could be major. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, anything I can't. Else? I yeah. can't think of anything else. I mean, the things that actually stuck out to me in this one were the more humorous uh, parts, like, like the 
the opium or when she comes out with the with the uh with the amplifier and she's like i got this this is and, and amelia says oh you invented the amplifier i will not call it the amplifier it's, it's like so what does it does well it 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 she looks at amelia amplifies you know it's like yeah, yeah that, was, right. that was a fun scene there's a couple of uh, levity moments in in this episode for sure. Yeah, uh, and they both impl- they both included penance. That's true. Yep. Which means if she dies, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I don't think they, they would kill her character off. Um, I mean, like like Barrett said, you never know, but I, I don't see it happening. Um, all right. Um, again, though, we, we don't even know if this show is going to last any more than 12 episodes. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, uh, any, anything else anybody want to bring up? Or are we, we good? We good? All right. Um, so let me uh, just give some further things here, which is the next episode is called The Undertaking, which will arrive May 2nd, 2021, uh, directed by the same director, but written by a different person, Maduri Shika. Um, but either way, um, uh, that will be May 2nd. We're going to try to record that episode of the podcast on May 3rd and release it uh, on May 4th. Um, so that's pretty much that. Um, so uh, I guess uh, that's pretty much it. We don't have to really give our final thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, actually, let's give final thoughts. So let's do that. Um, you know, our thoughts about what's going to happen with the, the the huge story points itself. So uh, Barrett, what do you what do you got for final thoughts on the on the episode? Um, so my final thoughts are I, I still like this episode a lot even after we talked about it. Um, there's just a lot. There was a lot in this episode. It was a thick episode with a lot of things going on and a lot of things moving. Um, and where it's going to go? Oh man, I have a hard time saying. Um, I didn't expect Mary to die, so. I'm having a hard time discerning where they're going to go from here. At some point, Lavinia is going to have to be found out when that is. I don't know if it'll be in the first six episodes or the second six episodes. Um, I'm kind of hoping sooner rather than later, because that can only go on for so long um, with us knowing and no one else knowing. At some point, it becomes aggravating for a viewer, I think. So they have to be kind of careful about that. But other than that, um, I don't know where everything else is going. It's just really hard to say. With this major death, I don't know how it's going to make everyone react. Right. Um, Yeah, for me, uh, well, that's a fair point about Lavinia. I mean, once it is known what's going to happen, does this turn into a more a bigger story? Uh, Because right now it's a contained story. So it'll be curious to see what happens because obviously they can't live in the orphanage anymore. And, and, you know, will it go public that Lavinia has been, you know, using uh, the touch and on and on. So that's a really interesting point. Um, I felt this episode had uh, maybe the most flaws of the three. And yet I think I may like it the best out of the three, Um, but I'm not uh, quite sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was uh, pretty solid. Uh, as Barrett said, a lot more added to the world. We understand. Uh, we do uh, lose a character that, even though she had such short screen time, she seemed like so huge um, and uh, very charismatic as well. And uh, she's gone, so that that was a, a big twist. Uh, so yeah, uh, all in all, um, 
she will be missed. But uh, generally, uh, yeah, a uh, really good episode. Uh, Kevin. Uh, well, like I mentioned earlier, uh, it is sad to see that, that Mary went, that Mary got killed. Uh, but her death did bring new hope to the orphanage, to the uh, to the touched. And so we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm hoping that we will continue to see more character development from the other other touched members because uh, I mean you have all sorts of different ones, you know, with their all different gifts, and uh, you know, like the, I mean, it's one of the characters I think is interesting is the one that that can't speak English, but she's there a lot. Uh, which I have a, I have a feeling she's going to factor into it uh, somehow. But uh, uh, and, you know, it's always just kind of fun watching Primrose just walking around, especially when people who are outside you know, are kind of looking up going, "Whoa!" Uh, you know. But um, ho- like I said, hopefully we will see more character development there. Hopefully, uh, Fire Andy will become a, truly a good person, um, and. I'm I'm enjoying this series for the most part. Uh, Hugo, that guy, it's kind of turns my stomach, but I think he's supposed to. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing what else this uh, with this with the series has to offer. All right, sounds good. So uh, once again, uh, this episode of the Nevers is called Ignition, uh, directed by David Simmel. Uh, written by Kevin Lowe, uh, April 25th, 2021, it aired. Uh, so once again, we are Bodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast, found wherever podcasts are found, or you can listen to it right off of darkdiscussions.com. Send your emails to darkdiscussions.aol.com or press the contact us form on darkdiscussions.com and you can send the email directly straight through the website. Uh, we will read your emails on the podcast and we would love to hear your thoughts on this television series because we do know uh, there are listeners out there listening to us. We are just not talking to empty air. So, uh, with that all stated, I guess, uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us up? Thanks for joining us again on Bodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast. Join us next week where we will talk about episode four. Yeah.